Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. In today's podcast, we're kicking off a new topic all about language. Language surrounds us every day to the point where it's probably something you don't explicitly think about very often. It's in our heads as we compose our thoughts. It pops up on our phones and laptops as we read and type. But language is also a complex and evolving concept, one that scholars from a wide range of fields find compelling. So in the coming weeks, we'll be hearing from scholars of linguistics, psychology, comparative literature, and more. All of these experts explore questions about language in their own research. But as we'll hear today, even among professors who study it for a living, experiences with language can also be very personal. Our guest is John Baugh, professor of psychology, anthropology, education, English, linguistics, and African and African American studies, all here at Washington University in St. Louis. Much of Dr. Baugh's work focuses on linguistic discrimination or linguistic profiling. This line of research has taken him all around the world, but in some ways it had a very specific starting point. California in the late 1980s. After receiving an invitation from Stanford University to be a visiting scholar, Dr. Bob began looking for an apartment for himself and his family, but he ran into difficulty. Whenever I called to look at an apartment or a rental house, I was usually told, please come by and see the place. But on three or four occasions, when I showed up in person, I was told that the dwelling was no longer available or that there was some difficulty or some misunderstanding. And I had a suspicion that whoever listened to me over the telephone didn't realize I was African American until I showed up in person. The Federal Fair Housing Act, which was enacted in 1968, makes it illegal to, on the basis of race, falsely deny that housing is available. So facing this possible illegal discrimination, Baugh considered his options. A friend of mine who was an attorney said, well, you possibly have the basis of a lawsuit. And I thought about that for a little while and decided that rather than sue, I could conduct some interesting linguistic experiments. It turns out that Baugh was more equipped than many to single-handedly conduct this sort of investigation. Not only did he have a PhD in linguistics, but he also had a childhood background that provided some useful skills for the experiment. Having grown up where I did in Los Angeles, which was an inner-city community, I had some linguistic dexterity. And so I began to call various apartment complexes in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I would always use the phrase, hello, I'm calling about the apartment you have advertised in the paper. But I manipulated the experiment so that I would call the very same landlords on different occasions, and I would modify my dialect, and I would call and I'd say, hello, I'm calling about the apartment you have advertised in the paper. And because the neighborhood that I lived in had a lot of 
Latinos, I would call on another occasion and say, hello, I'm calling about the apartment you have advertised in the paper. And so your radio listeners will be able to hear that I manipulated the very same sentence with a different accent, and I got very different response rates depending upon the community that I was calling. And this was just the tip of the iceberg. Ba has gone on to study the relationship between how people speak and how they're treated in education, medicine, business, and more. So that was actually the beginning of the research that I did on what I call linguistic profiling. It began in the housing field simply because I, you know, stumbled across a situation where having been denied access to housing in the face-to-face situation, I became curious as to whether or not it was possible that people who called, who might speak with a dialect, would encounter those discriminatory practices even before they got to the front door. Remember, these initial experiments dealing with housing discrimination took place back in the 1980s. But to get to the real roots of Dr. Ba's career-long interest in linguistic discrimination, we have to go back even further. As Ba described, for this first set of investigations, he relied upon his own linguistic dexterity, a skill for mimicking dialects that he had picked up in childhood. Now we return to that childhood. When I moved from Philadelphia to Los Angeles, the neighborhood that I lived in initially was a multiracial neighborhood that was composed primarily of low-income people of color. There were very few white students, and in fact, my fourth grade class had no white students in it, but it did have students of Japanese and Chinese and Latino and African-American descent. With kids from so many backgrounds present, the young John Ba was surrounded by linguistic diversity, So how did he respond to this environment? Well, from what you've heard in the podcast so far, you might be surprised. Because English was my only language, one of the things that I would routinely do is make fun of the other kids who were learning English as a second language by mimicking their accent, much like I did with the experiment here. But now I'm doing it for benevolent purposes there. I was just being, you know, a naughty little kid on the schoolyard. And it was with this backdrop that Ba had what he calls a linguistic epiphany. One of the things that happened when I was in elementary school was we were playing some schoolyard game, and there was a Latino boy who was larger than me, and we had some kind of conflict in one of the games that we were playing. And um, he, um, you know started an argument with me and he said some things that were insulting about my mom, which my generation calls playing the dozens when you, you know, say some terrible things about your opponent's mother and this goes back and forth. So John was saying bad things about Carlos's mom, Carlos was saying bad things about John's mom, you get the drill. But then Boss subtly changed the rules of the game. In my case, I started not only saying things about his mom, but I did so on a Latino accent, right? I started to try to mimic his style of speaking. And he got angry enough that he started to, you know, punch me and beat me up, and he was bigger than me. So I retreated to the classroom, 
And as I was retreating to the classroom, most of my African-American friends did not come to my rescue. They, they were amused by all of this. So they're just watching the episode. But Ba's friends weren't the only ones watching. Their teacher also saw what had happened out on the schoolyard. My teacher, who was a white man, who really was a wonderful man and did his best to help us as students, observed the conflict. He saw me getting punched by Carlos, and he heard me, you know, talking about Carlos and talking about Carlos's mother in the accent, and he said, John, stop it. And I said, stop it? What do you mean, stop it? I said, he's hitting me. What are you talking? He said, yeah, but you're making fun of the way that he talks. Of course, to Dr. Ba as a young boy, this seemed totally unfair. And to get back at his teacher and not lose face with his friends, he knew exactly what to do. I, in my best rendition of standard English, I said, I'm very sorry. I didn't realize I was doing anything wrong. From a kid's perspective, this makes sense, right? If mimicking Carlos was offensive, wouldn't mimicking the teacher also be disrespectful? Perhaps more offensive? But Bob didn't get the reaction he expected. The reactions that followed that statement were really quite interesting because I intended to actually insult the teacher by mimicking his accent. After all, I was a black kid from the inner city. Trying to sound like a white guy was not anything that was going to endear me with my friends. So just like I was, you know, mimicking Carlos's dialect, I was mimicking the teacher's dialect. So my black friends start laughing when they heard me do that. But then the teacher said something very interesting. He said, John, why don't you speak that way all of the time and improve yourself? And there you have it, linguistic epiphany. For some reason, the teacher's accent and Carlos's accent were treated very differently, and Ba noticed. And then a little light went off in my head because, you know, as a young black child, I'm trying to sound cool to my friends on the schoolyard. You understand? I don't want to sound like this teacher. But when I speak like him, I'm improving myself. But when I speak like Carlos, that's an insult, right? So I realized, like, oh, Depending upon who you are and what dialect you speak, it's either perceived as insulting or you're improving yourself. And so a little light went off, but, you know, I didn't get a Ph.D. in linguistics until 30 years after that. Many thanks to John Baugh for contributing to Hold That Thought. In our next podcast, we'll be hearing more about Dr. Ba's research into linguistic profiling. For that discussion and many more ideas to explore, please visit thought.artsci.wustl.edu. That's thought.artsci.wustl.edu. You can also search for Hold That Thought on Facebook and Twitter, or subscribe to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. 